I'd like to welcome uh, everyone back to the final section of our conversation today, part three, uh, a vision of the future. So Scott, given all of the advancements in tech and AI, uh, why is data management so important? You can boil my entire data philosophy down to three words, truth before meaning. And in my experience in the data space in the decades I've been on, if you don't have that foundational truth in your data, you're not going to derive the kind of meaning that you really want out of it. And it's just a fancier way of saying G-I-G-O, garbage in, garbage out. We learned that on the first day of data. That old hackneyed cliche there still rings true. It's as true as, as gravity. What goes up must come down. What goes in must come out. And no matter what the latest, greatest technological advancements are, if the data isn't right and trusted going in, then that technique that somebody's just discovered is not going to perform the way that you expected it to. And I found you still have to hammer that home because the meaning part, analytics, data science, data literacy, um, AI, ML, generative AI that we're talking about these days, that's the sexy stuff. That's what people are, are and, and in a lot of ways, that's the stuff people can see, right? I can see analytics. I can see a number. I can see those graphs. I can see that visualization. But what goes on behind the scenes beforehand, where data starts, is as critical as where data ends up. And so I spent a lot of time trying to reinforce that with folks. And so my feeling is no matter what the hottest things are today, no matter what they were five years ago, no matter what they're going to be in 10 years, I'll make this bold prediction that data management is macro trend agnostic, that all of these ideas that come up are going to really, if they require good content, you're going to have to do the data management side first. We're going to come back to that in a moment, but let me ask you, because this will uh, boost the ratings of this, uh, interview significantly. Do you have a viewpoint on generative AI since you mentioned it and its potential impact from a transformation perspective? It's 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 clearly the you know the hottest thing in town here, but if the stuff going in, you know, you put bad data into LLMs, you get hallucinations. We've been hearing about that a lot. So it's really critical again to have this super powerful tool fed with the right stuff. And you know, if you think about an analogy I like to use all the time is food analogies. That's a really good way to explain data and the process that you go into because everybody eats and everybody knows if you have good ingredients, then you can have a good meal, even if you're not, you know, no matter. And, and the reverse is the inverse is true too, right? If even you're a fabulous cook, but you've got bad ingredients, that meal isn't going to be as satisfying as you want it to if, if it's even inedible. So this latest thing that we've got going on now, if the data going in isn't right, that stuff isn't going to get you there. And I guess one of the ironic beauties is it'll, you can make bigger mistakes faster and at scale <laughs> now if you're using bad data going in. But I, I haven't found a way out of this formula of what you put in is what you get out. Nothing has, has, uh, has shown me that that's not the way it's going to work. It's rather linear and straightforward. And people keep rediscovering that, you know, there's talk about not being as 
model centric with your data science models. You should be more data centric, you know, spend more time on the data and less time on fine tuning the model. I hear that kind of stuff and go, yeah, I'm glad, duh, of course. So the future's bright for the data space, but you've got to still deal with those fundamentals of highly trusted, well-structured, expertly governed and stewarded content that goes into these enterprise systems and activities will get you better results no matter what. Interesting. You're, you're making me hungry at the uh, <laughs> beginning of your answer. And then when you got into the complexity of the challenges that organizations continue to face, I started to lose my appetite. Oh, so, okay. <laughs> it's all metaphorical anyway. Of course. Um, so what does the future of data management look like? I think it's wonderfully bright because it's still needed so much. And part of what I try and do is get people enthusiastic about the work that they do in this part of the space. The applications of data are and analytics and AI are so tremendous. And you and I see this every day. And the value we can bring is horizontal. There's not a lot of departments in an organization that can say, I can bring value literally in a really specific way to all the other vertical silos across my organization. It is a horizontal kind of, you know, CDO should be a horizontal kind of function. It, uh, and, and certainly what data brings to an organization has horizontal value. It is at that foundational level. And we know for companies to really succeed, they've got to be able to harness this. There's no company today who, unless you're really kind of some sort of specific handcrafted kind of uh, uh, deliverable, if you want to scale, you need data. And if you want to use data, it's got to be, you know, well-managed and well-delivered across all those applications to succeed. But I think data management, obviously, it's here to stay. It's not getting replaced by any of these machines. Hopefully, we get further and further where we don't have to explain it so much, where we don't have to justify it so much. We can get more technology to help us get there. But if you can't establish those fundamental truths about your organization, then you're not going to be able to leverage data the way you want to. I like what you had to say about horizontal and horizontal value. That's uh, something that I hadn't heard um, expressed in quite that way before. And it's a, it's a, it's a keeper, you know, when, when you, you see me using those terms, or hear me using those terms constantly, you'll uh, know where they came from. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> when, you know, I think about a business person, they don't want a big fancy visualization technique. They're looking for something like a table. And even that horizontal vertical part plays in that table analogy for me. People are really good at adding columns to things. Columns tend to be insights, but yeah. the rows are hard and rows are where data management comes in. You know, here's a customer and here's all these insights. Here's a product and here's all these attributes. Columns are easy, but rows are hard. And what we're trying to do is kind of establish that row level for, for an organization if we can. Very interesting. So you spoke about CDOs. Um, so what do you think uh, data leadership is going to look like going forward? And uh, <clears throat> will the CDO, CDAO role still exist? I hope so. I hope it becomes more and more of a true C-level. You know, we know there's a lot of anecdotes of I'm a CDO underneath the CIO, underneath whatever is kind of for show to a certain extent. 
I have a little trouble kind of reconciling all the extra initials. You know, we need a CDAO, we need a CIAO. We need, you know, do we need all those different granular C levels? Cause that table gets pretty crowded pretty quickly, but having data. And when I say data, I mean, with a big D data, analytics, AI, the whole suite of capabilities at the big table is critical and having that differentiated from the technology side, I think is freeing a lot of organizations to be able to really focus on what data can do. You still need management of the technology, but I think if we look back in the decades that commingling, you know, I think CIOs originally when they came out got data because well, data's in computers, they're heading to the computers, I guess we'll just leave it to them. But as we recognize more and more almost on a daily basis that data is a business oriented thing for an organization, it's critical to keep that seat at the table. Very good point. And, uh, you know, I, I hosted uh, the panel that I do each year at the CDO IQ event in uh, Cambridge, Mass in July and had five chief data officers. And one of the interesting things this year was that all five now uh, sit on the business side of the organization. Great. I think that's the, the thing that's uh, going to become pretty consistent. And, you know, if I was even going to venture a further perspective is that I think in the some of the, and this isn't universal, but some of the first generation or chief data officers, a lot of subject matter experts were elevated into those roles, but they didn't necessarily have, as you said, the communication skills, the persuasion, the sharp elbows, all of the things that you need to do to, to make your case and be effective in the, in the C-suite. You kind of touch on something that I advise folks to, or sort of warn them a little bit on the CDO side. Another reason you got to learn how to tell a story is you're up against some pretty good storytellers in your organization. So if you're up and pitching something, just all things equal versus the CMO, that CMO knows how to put a story together. <laughs> and even, even if it's not as good of an idea, it may end up sounding a whole lot more compelling than what you're talking about. So just trying to goose folks a little bit to realize it's, we're all fighting for funding one way or another. And part of that process is laying out what you're trying to do and laying out what you're trying to do needs a story. Scott, is there anything else that you would like to add today and any closing thoughts or words of wisdom for uh, those who are listening? Keep at it. Keep practicing at it. It is a soft skill, this storytelling thing. It doesn't always come naturally to everybody, but it is something that you can learn and practice, but it does take practice. It's not something that just, you know, I'm a little different. This is all I do. So that's, you know, I've got those techniques that I tried to share with folks, but really focus on that. Understand that it's an art more than it's a science and it won't always work. It's kind of a cautionary tale here. I mean, if, if all these techniques and all these ways of doing stuff that I list out and a lot of other folks list out, were always guaranteed to work like something you do technically, if you check all these boxes in this will work then every movie would be fantastic and it's not. Every song would be a hit and it's not. Every story everybody writes would be a bestseller and it's not. So what is that X factor in there that makes it go from just another thing somebody's saying to 
a visionary kind of parable that captures the imagination of your organization. If we could bottle that, we would do it. If we could give you the 12 things that you have to do, you do it. But just know that too. Know that it's going to take some practice. It's going to take some failure. It's going to take some um, some work around there, but it'll pay off in the end. And, and by the way, you reminded me of an anecdote. You know, I don't, uh, I was taught early on, I learned early on that you have to sell your ideas, but I always try to avoid in any fashion being labeled a, a, a salesperson. I don't think I've ever had that title, though I've had revenue responsibility my entire career. And I had a uh, technical colleague that came up to me, this is about 15 years ago, and said, um, you know, I realize um, that I need to uh, sell my ideas. I need to be able to sell things. Um, can you recommend a book I could read? <laughs> and I was just kind of like, you know, maybe sometimes it's it, things, certain things can be learned, but there's also a combination of DNA you know yeah yeah there's some people just sort of more outgoing than others again i put myself on that that edge i like to tell people i have a fear of not public speaking and uh the drama in school and so on that kind of stuff that was part of my upbringing but it resonates with the folks in the data world and i and i really appreciate helping people bridge that gap between the world the story gap between the worlds of business and data is so important for us to all be successful eloquently said uh, thank you so much for your time today. Scott Taylor, partner with InfoSeps, author, performer, data whisperer. Thanks again. And thank you to CDO Magazine for making today's discussion possible. Have a great day, everyone.